0: I'm sure. I'm sure. I've told you the story of Top Rank. You no, know? you're thinking of Top Gun. Top Gun. That's not a jazz bar. That's one of your. Uh, well, you know, it's Tom
1: Cruise's latest Ex- uh, experimental trace bars. A Scientology project. and jazz. The yeah. uh, the perfect combo. <laughs> Welcome, everyone. This is Tokyo Jazz Joints, episode twenty. That's, that seems uh, that seems significant somehow. I suppose we're halfway, James. We're halfway.
0: I I, I would have thought that uh, by now we would have reached you know eighty to ninety percent of what we had to say about all these jazz joints. Is is there much more to go through? I'm not sure. I'm going
1: gonna, I'm gonna to suggest that. M- Maybe a lot of listeners probably think we've maybe even overstayed our welcome, but definitely reached 90% of (laughs) what we have to say. We've still got national boundaries to explore. We've still got continents to, to open up to jazz joints. Come on.
0: Well, we're going uh, to a wonderful part of the country today. We're going to what they call Kansai, the Kansai region, which uh, encompasses three very famous cities and a bunch of rural prefectures. Uh, All our listeners outside Japan will obviously have heard of Osaka, Kyoto, and Kobe and we're going to focus on just a couple of places today in Osaka and Kobe. Um, I think we mentioned Kyoto in a couple of previous programs, but uh, previous previously And episodes. we did mention
1: We did mention Kobe as well because if you remember I think when we talked about yes. Java, we were already in Kobe. So that should be familiar for uh, people who've listened to that particular episode. Yes. So we're going to kick off today in a place called Jam Jam which doesn't necessarily uh, to me it's got more of a reggae feel, but uh, it's very very much a jazz place. And actually, we went to all of these places that we're going to be talking about today separately. And I'm not sure I've heard your experiences. So in another exciting first for Tokyo Jazz Doents, we may be uh, revealing things that neither the, uh, that, that the, um, (laughs) we may be revealing things, we may be revealing things that each of the other doesn't know is that is that make sense that's that's not English that's not correct English is it we may um, be revealing <clears throat> we may be revealing things that each case, of us
0: in <laughs> case anyone wondered if the show was scripted um,
1: no it's not <laughs> there's no script for this how show. dare you I've been working on that for <laughs> minutes before this so anyway we went to jam jam so the story with jam jam for me was very simple I was down in Kobe as I mentioned before at uh, some sort of Uh, professional development course for work. Um, And after attending the sessions, I made a beeline for any of the jazz places that were in Kobe City. And I went with a friend to a couple, one of which we'll talk about in a moment. But after that one, actually, I ended up in Jam Jam. My friend was a bit tired. He'd gone home for a sleep. And I thought, well, I'm not going to miss this. And when I got to Jam Jam, it must have been certainly after 10pm. And I'd say with the exception of maybe Bossa in Hokkaido, it is probably the biggest of any of the places I've been. Like, it's down a staircase, and it was absolutely cavernous. Like, huge, huge place. And, of course, when you come in the door, as you can see from one of the photos, if you're looking at the the photos on tokyojazzjoins.com, uh, it's sort of split into two sections. So when you get in, you're faced with this choice immediately of whether you go to the conversation seat or whether you go to the listening seat. And it wasn't really uh, a choice that I had to make, because I was the only person in the whole place at this time (laughs) of night, on top of which they played Olay Coltrane at ear-splitting volume. So I just sat there on my own in Kobe on what was probably like a Thursday night, listening to Coltrane at ear-splitting volume and thinking, I'm so glad I didn't miss out on this opportunity
0: uh that that's that, that's fantastic um i had a very different experience uh i was in kobe with my family and this was a couple years back i guess my kids were a little bit younger but um anytime we go anywhere my my wife is very understanding she's like okay you've got 3 hours Go, don't come back too drunk. <laughs> so, needless to say, uh, I did come back drunk uh, because after going to Jam Jam, I, I got Shocker. there earlier in the night. I, I probably got there about eight thirty, and had the exact same reaction to you. Cavernous is a great word because that's what it feels like. Um, it's way down in the basement. I thought it had a little bit of a New York vibe to it, to be honest. It was the kind of place that you'd find in New York City, uh, in Brooklyn, you know, Mm -hmm. these days especially. Um, But what struck me at first, uh, in addition to the very charming conversation seat and listening seat sign, uh, was was the volume. I mean, they were just cranking it up when I went there. And this was earlier in the night. There were people, and there was probably about 10 to 15 people spread around. And it just amused me because right away I thought, like, it doesn't matter if you sit in the conversation seat. You can't talk with that vibe, you know? <laughs> um, but everyone in there was, was into the music, you could tell. They were really grooving with it. Um, I think they were they were not playing Coltrane. Who were they playing? Um it wasn't Eric Dolphy. Oh, my God. Who was it? It was another, it was another alto player somewhere along the lines of that. But I'll have to go back and find my old notes. But I remember it thinking that, okay, if they're going to have uh, this record at that volume at 8.30 at night, on a weeknight. That means that it's pretty uncompromising, that the music is what it's about here. They're not here just to make it sell a lot of drinks, you know? Um, so, you know, I, I couldn't stay too long. As I said, I was trying to get around to to a couple places, you know, that night in a few hours that I had before going back to uh, to the hotel. Uh, but I did get a chance to talk with the, the couple that run it. Did you speak with them at all? You must have when asked permission to take the pictures, right?
1: Huh? Yeah, I think... Briefly, I think we had a bit of a chat at the bar and I, I, as always, um, asked for permission to take the photos, but I don't remember having like a long conversation. I do remember leaving him a business card, I think, for the project or Mm. uh, one of the DM cards uh, for different exhibitions and things like that. But, um, yeah, I mean, like you say, it's funny because, I mean, you know, they're all listening seats, really, when the volume is that loud. But again, just to reinforce the point, I suppose, there I mean, cavernous is, is one aspect of it. But of course, when you look at the photograph of the listening seats, you can see uh, that they're all lined up towards the speakers. And we've mentioned this a few times now in different episodes, but mm-hmm. if you ever wanted a more church-but-not-a-church-like feel... To a jazz place, I think it'd be hard to find one uh, that fits it better than this. I mean, the speakers are up there at the end, they're sort of eerily lit in blue, like an altar. Uh, you have the amp, of course, in the middle, and then you've got these tables and, and stools that are doubling as, uh, sorry, you've got these chairs and then these little stools that are doubling as tables um, lined up facing the the. Speakers, And so there's definitely no ambiguity about what the purpose of that place is. Oh, yeah. And, uh, you
0: know, we have mentioned that many other places uh, have that that sort of uh, seating arrangement, like you're in a club, basically, except the stage is the audio system. And, um, you know, it was interesting, though, because I, I did spend about 10 or 15 minutes talking to the couple um because i mentioned somebody who had recommended uh, jam jam to me somebody online who who they kind of knew peripherally so it was you know a good way to sort of Worm my way in and explain what you know what my website was about and uh, you know why I went around to all these places when I was traveling, uh, but they told me that they they actually do do events in there, not live events, but sort of a combination of DJ events and listening parties. I think we've mentioned on a few episodes how some cafes will have a listening party and it might be themed you know so for example uh i just saw uh, last night here in japan up in sapporo uh, Igarashi-san, who is a, a jazz DJ and runs a curry shop. In his curry shop, he has listening parties. I mean, this is just so Japanese, right? So mm. so in his little curry restaurant, um, last night was John Coltrane listening night. Every month he picks a different artist, you know? So that's something quite common. Uh, but at Jam Jam, they do it, but the DJ uh, will be behind the decks and kind of almost like a live radio show, you know? So he's, the DJ's not just spinning the tunes, but sort of talking about them while he's playing them. Cool. And I, I thought, like, oh, this this would be a great environment for that because it's a big room. It's got a great sound system. Um, the, the seats are really comfortable. You know, I, I really want to attend one of those events, this kind of live. I, I don't know what you'd really call it. I mean, the closest thing I would think is it's like a live radio session. Mm.
1: What's less common, perhaps, is uh, which is something we haven't seen very much of, is the huge poster and quotation from Che Guevara down at the far end above the speakers. We're more used to seeing maybe Coltrane or Miles Davis or uh, Herbie Hancock down there. But uh, interesting that that was the the choice of kind of and and very, um, very clearly the only thing that's on the wall. So, you know, it's it's obviously given a a sort of pride of place.
0: I'm glad you mentioned that because um, I I think we've spoken only a little bit about this, but For our listeners who are not uh, familiar with Japan or Japanese uh, culture, um, these days, these days, very overt political displays are uncommon in everyday Japanese life. Um, Even down to heated political discussions that you might have with, you know, your friends in in the bar or a pub or wherever. um, That kind of thing is is much less common here. Uh, So... I've always been surprised that some of the only places I've seen very direct political posters uh, or, you know, activist type flyers has been in the jazz cafes. Um, A lot of stuff Mm -hmm. about, you know, and Philip, you can attest to this because you were here when, when the earthquake happened and the Fukushima nuclear plant was in danger of meltdown. Um, and afterwards, there was a grassroots movement of you know young people and other groups to protest this. It got yeah. no media coverage at all in Japan, uh, no mainstream media coverage at all. But I've seen the flyers for these kind of events in jazz spots, so I think the owners of the jazz cafes are a little bit more tuned into sort of that old that kind of, maybe that remaining sort of 1960s culture we described when when Japan was burning in the streets and the students would go to the jazz kisaten, you know?
1: That's the thing, Um, yeah, and I think, you know, like you said, it's a reminder of the association between jazz and and counterculture, and I think probably a lot of times, you know, people have a particular image of jazz as being this very kind of smooth and sort of schmaltzy, kind of cheesy type of music, and of course, like, we know that that's not the case, but it is also worth remembering, like, a lot of these guys that run these places, and indeed the women owners, as well. You know, they grew up, many of them, in in a a very different time politically and something that there was a lot more um, tumult around politics and and, uh, that kind of culture. And so you you go in there now and see these, you know, aging owners and think, you know, oh, this old guy, this this old girl that's running these places. But of course, you know, in many ways they were possibly involved in that kind of counterculture and even just as we said before by their choice to run a jazz bar uh, at night uh, mm-hmm. in very yes. anti-social hours in a country where you know very much the focus is on uh, you know towing the line and keeping mm-hmm. your head down and, and playing the game and, and being acceptable in averted in commas you know they really are pioneers and and they're really out there uh, and have made a very conscious choice to sort of Exist outside the the mainstream, so yeah, it's not surprising, I suppose, in some ways, that it is there and it is Che Guevara. But equally, you know, like you say, it's it's we tend to see more. Jazz memorabilia, for as much sure. as anything. So. Yeah,
0: for sure. But it's, it's definitely, uh, I think it it's a place that I really loved, and I would like to go back and spend more time there, um, you know, the next time I get down to the Kansai region. Uh, and it is, you know, v- visually, spatially, just a very unique place. It doesn't look like anywhere else that we photographed. Um, so if you are in the Kobe area, and Jam Jam is right next door to uh, Chinatown, Kobe is sort of like the Yokohama of. Uh, To Osaka's Tokyo so Kobe's the port city. It's got a big Chinatown. It's got a big jazz scene, Uh, but it's very walkable it's very, very walkable. It's not a large city. And you could easily hit, you know, a couple of these places in between getting your Chinese noodles out. Um, now, Philip, the night that I was there, so, you know, I mentioned I had a, had a strict time limit to get back to the family. So after Jam Jam, I got a little lost looking for our next joint, uh, which is uh, a really beautiful small space called Goodman. Yeah. Now, unfortunately, um, and one of your pictures did capture that they, you know, they have a, a periodic Live uh, schedule, um, you know, live gigs going on there. And that night, unfortunately, I walked right into the middle of a session. And so um, I got my pushy New York attitude on and I, I just said, oh, look, I only came in to take a picture. Can I just come in and take a picture and have a quick beer? And unbelievably, the owner said yes um so i didn't have to pay the like four thousand yen i mean the gig was almost over it was probably gonna be another 15 minutes you know um but i told him i said look you know i came from i'm just here on vacation i'm from tokyo area um I, i really love jazz places can i just come in for a drink take a picture he's like yeah yeah come in but it was very crowded um i didn't really get a chance to talk to to him uh and i didn't have much time so i was happy to see that you got the pictures that you did when the place was pretty much empty but i don't remember the story of
1: when you did go there was this uh, bef- right before you left to go back to Ireland? Well, this is, it's funny you should say that it's empty because actually some of them were taken after us. But as you can see from the two that feature the bass player, it was actually, there was a gig on that night as well. So we managed, I think, to get in and sneak somehow a couple of seats at the bar. So uh, it was, in fact, before I went to Jam Jam. Um, so there was two of us, I was with my friend, and um, we, we got a seat in at the, at the bar, which allowed me to sort of photograph uh, the musicians. So it seems maybe, I mean, even from the poster, it seems a fairly, what well, is it's a more than weekly occurrence that they have gigs on. Mm. So it's a pretty active place. And I do remember just being really busy and having a real <coughs> kind of, vi- real vibe about it. You know, like there was a lot of people in there. It was a very mixed crowd. Um, and they were all having a great time. You know, they were serving some food, uh, obviously drinks as well. And it's funny because when you even just see the piano there, Goodman was one of those places where it had that kind of slick jazz bar feel to it, but also you can see from the instruments and, of course, the amazing selection of vinyl over there as well, that it, it kind of very much has a jazz kisa feel as well. And it was interesting. It it felt much more of a bar, much more of a nighttime place. Um, oh,
0: definitely, definitely a nighttime place. And, and we should mention that it's in, I mean, it's right in the heart of, You know, the nightlife district in Kobe. Um, But it's in one of those kind of nondescript buildings. We talked about it so many times in Japan that you can just, you go into this, you know, regular looking concrete monstrosity. Hmm. And there's just dozens and dozens of places to drink of all varieties, whether they're snack bars, hostess bars, or, or, or in goodness... Case a jazz bar, yeah. so you know you take up this tiny elevator, uh, in, you know, into the landing, and then in the little hallway, there's you know four or five other places, uh, but you can hear the music coming out, so you know it's no problem, easy to find. But but your picture with the piano kind of captures it. It's just a, it's just a square room with the lights in the ceiling, you know, uh, but they've got the great audio system, they've got the records, and um, I think uh, having seen since then, uh, they've got a pretty good presence online. Um, they do, yeah. they seem to use social media a lot and they do have a lot of gigs. I think it's one of those places, it's a smaller club, but it's a place that, uh, people who are, uh, visiting the Kansai region, musicians, sorry, who visiting the Kansai region are definitely going to go there for a gig.
1: Yeah. Uh, for the design nerds listening, um, I'd say the logo is definitely one of my favorite, um, fonts. Again, one of those fonts that are all over Japan where, you could barely recreate it you know if you wanted someone to make that for you now they'd really struggle very analog vibe to it and just a gorgeous gorgeous uh typography and i think somewhere in the piles of things uh, i have a couple of beer mats as well that i got that night so yeah really nice place glad i got to it glad we got got that you got or that yeah that i got yeah happened to just walk out with well, I mean, we're talking about paper bear mats. I mean, I don't oh, think it's. okay. okay. It's hardly not, a not, federal crime, is it? Not, mean,
0: not the Nefertiti kind, though, and the one that no, I'm using on my desk right no, now. No, 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 yeah, definitely okay, not.
1: No. Okay.
0: Well, you know, it's funny. You mentioned the font of the sign because I, I, I'm actually so much more taken with the door that just says bar on it. I mean, that that's mm. kind of. I kind of like that. Like, if I ever, my own place, I might do that. I'm just going to put bar on the door.
1: Yeah, it's, it's very simple, isn't it? And like you say, you can hear the music, but there's nothing that indicates really. Other than that, that it is a bar. And, you know, if you look down the corridor from where you're standing, it, it would just be a plain white corridor, like something from The Shining. Um, <laughs> so, you know, it's it, and there's so many of those places in Japan. And mm. from the outside, so nondescript, so boring looking. Um, and then you go in and, you know, it contains these places that you can barely imagine. So uh, beautiful place, beautiful spot. And so moving on from Kobe then, I guess... Slightly prickly one, this, because, uh, again, if you've lived in Japan, you'll probably be aware of the, <coughs> gentle, the gentle rivalry between uh, Osaka and Tokyo. Um, and um, we're going to Osaka. Uh, you know, Tokyo Jazz Dance goes to Osaka. And, you know, it, it actually worked out OK. There was no one waiting for us at the station. We didn't get <laughs> duffed up. It was all okay. Um, Again, we went to these two places separately. Um, I went on a trip around Kansai um, with a friend before I left Japan just to check out a few of these places because probably other than Tokyo, I guess... Sort of Osaka, Kyoto, and that Kansai area is probably the highest concentration of jazz places. So, it's definitely something. uh, It's definitely somewhere that you want to be visiting if you're into that kind of jazz joint culture. So, um, we're going to go to two places. uh, The first of which we'll we'll save the best to last, I think, or certainly the the coolest to last for sure. Uh, The first place was a bit of an oddity, and I think probably I don't know if you were familiar with it before I had been, but it was a place called Top Rank that actually. I think, is in the same building down below another better-known jazz place. The outside door is very intriguing. It's covered with stickers, JBL logo, um, and different kinds of posters. And when you go in, it's really an incredible collection of sort of eclectic uh, books and music. And I suppose in some ways the owner was quite a... Unusual character as well, right? Well, um, I don't know. Uh, as you mentioned at the at the top,
0: um, we've got you know we're breaking protocol here, so we're going to be telling stories we have not shared with each other. Uh, so uh, Tokyo Jazz joints first. Um, I uh, went to Top Rank for the first time ten years ago. OK. OK. Um, and um, because, well, you mentioned the building. So let's let's set the scene. So we're, we're in Osaka, which is an unbelievably dense city. OK. And uh, in the area called Namba, which is right in the center downtown mm. near Dotonbori, where all the people go to eat and drink. You get oh, any, any tourist photo that you see of Osaka will be in this neighborhood, you know, with the lights and the, the big fish hanging out the, the shops and all of that. So there is a building. And it's called the Chua Dixie Building, for some reason uh, unknown. Chua Dixie Building. And it is, um, every floor is a different music bar. The the basement is a rock bar. The first floor is a kind of a a shot bar with just jazz in the background. The kind of place you go for a cocktail to talk business. Then you get up to the second floor and you get the top rank. And you mentioned the amazing uh, front door with all the stickers uh, for our non-reading Japanese listeners, um, uh, many of whom are audiophiles. Obviously, you're going to know JBL and the Altec Lansing um, audio equipment. And under that, it's talking about the vacuum amps that he has, vacuum tube amps. So, you know, you can tell already that this guy's going to have a serious sound system. And it's going to be all about the music. But when I went in um, and of all the places that I've been to, uh, when I started my website since it's 2007, and then over 150 places with you, Philip. The only person uh, who ever said this to me was this guy. He said, if you can't speak Japanese, I, I can't serve you. And I was I was uh, really, I was like speechless, man. This is 10 years you know? ago, right? This was 10 years ago. Okay. You know? I was speechless. I was just like, what the hell? Like, I've been going to jazz places all around the country, you know, for years. And no one's ever said that. Certainly, you've gotten the vibe of, oh, no, it's it's a Western person, and I don't speak English, and they're kind of, like, nervous. Or maybe they, you know, you can sense a little bit of, like, nervousness about it when you walk in. But no one's ever been so direct to just say, can you speak Japanese? If not, I can't serve you. And I I, I got my wits about me again, and I said, no, I speak Japanese. And, he, and then he just smiled, and he was like, oh, okay, go ahead and have a seat. Perfectly acceptable. uh, And and now it was like, what? So all I could imagine, you know, I immediately had stories going through my head like, okay, he's in the middle of Osaka, touristy neighborhood. Maybe he had some bad experience with guys who came in and didn't know the music bar sort of protocol, you know, or the seating charge or whatever, and uh, had some trouble. Who knows? I didn't want to push him about it because I just felt like if I immediately go into that conversation, uh, I'm not going to enjoy my time in this bar. And as your picture is captured, it's an absolutely gorgeous place. Yeah. Look at the plants, the pictures, the CDs, the books. think believe on the left side of uh, your second photo there that's a bottle of Briclodic whiskey from Scotland Yeah, uh, if I recognize that label um, so Top Rank's pretty much got everything um, and it's not even just jazz uh, there's a huge poster of Seiko Matsuda in, in the in the bathroom and she's a, one of the major pop stars of the last 30 years in Japan so I don't know if he plays her music but he's got a big poster in there so it, it was definitely a unique vibe and uh, so I'm curious to know what, what was your, the reaction when you guys were Walked in? Well,
1: I I remember thinking he was a little odd, but I don't remember that conversation. Now, it may just have been that I came straight in and sort of went for a, oh, you know, ego to this guy or whatever. And, and that kind of maybe mitigated that, or possibly over the course of the 10 years, he'd grown to love. Uh, random Westerners walking in, even the ones that couldn't speak Japanese. I don't know, but he was very chatty. And in fact, actually, now it com- now, now. I remember, we sat at the bar for a bit. I did explain the project, as you can see, because obviously I got the picture of him uh, behind the bar. But I do remember uh, the, the photograph of the gramophone that I took, uh, the old Vict- Victrola gramophone. He got that out and played that for us. So he, he deliberately got that out He wound it up He got this uh, He chose the record And he put it on And we just sat back And it was like Wow <laughs> Incredible <laughs> We were both Incredible. just blown away So he was definitely more welcoming For yeah. whatever reason I'm not suggesting I would never suggest That it was just something to do with I would never suggest it was just something to do with you having a more prickly personality, perhaps. But <laughs> I mean, I, I don't know. Who, who knows what his backstory is? But I, I thought like, it might have been the beard and
0: the and the scraggly hair that just, you know. It could have like, been I that. Wanna, I was I a lot more slick trouble. back. I was I mean, more I mean, slick back. So it, yeah. it
1: may have been that. But I mean, you're right. Like, it, it's just a gorgeous place. It's like a kind yeah. of a combination between like a this really cozy living room and a shop. And they have this there's this beautiful little set of speakers down at the far end with like a plant between them and then also you've got this kind of like um balinese hindu um mask up there and and the different kinds of fabric prints and so it's just a really really eclectic it's very much a hodgepodge it almost feels like um like a
0: like a store you know what I mean? Like you go into one of these old, like, you know, used book and vinyl stores that you have around Japan um, and where they just have, like, tons of clutter for
1: sale. You know, that's kind of what it feels like. I'm so happy that... That's a that bit you, harsh. That's a bit harsh. I mean, <laughs> it's be- I mean, it's beautifully kept. Like, I mean, if it's a storeroom, it's got a lot of love and attention. I mean, look how gorgeously laid out it is. I mean, I bet he can put his hand on anything. Well, it's,
0: it's, the, it's the randomness, though, because there's so many random books. And I mean, look, you know, above the bar, with the, you've got the great portrait of him and he's got the, uh, the beef jerky. Uh, you know, hanging up there. He's got some cans underneath. I don't even know what that is. Is it tuna or fish or something? Um, it just has that that amazingly cluttered feel. But, no, it's, it's it was a wonderful spot. And I think that um, the reason I never went back, uh, because I, for several years, I was going down to Osaka um, yearly in the summertime, uh, and sometimes even in the wintertime, twice a year. So I would always hit... Um, Lush life in Kyoto, and I would always hit the the music building, the Chihuahua Dixie music building. But will would always go to the place upstairs after my experience with him. So I didn't even catch his name. But now that you said that, um, next time I'm down there, I'm going to go back and maybe you know what? Maybe he was just having a bad night. Who knows? You know. It, it's I feel like your
1: I feel like your assessment of the place is maybe um, tainted slightly by your traumatic experience. <laughs>
0: No, it is, it is a gorgeous place. And remember, like what's incredible is that this building, so we've mentioned it's, it's five, five floors of music bars, all of them ostensibly competing with each other, but they each have a different vibe. The three so, so-called jazz spots are very, very different. So um, so from top rank, you go up to the third floor, and it's Bird 56. So this time, you, you tell me first,
1: what was your impression of, of Bird well, hang on, sorry, are we, are, we, are we skipping over Fannie Mae? Because, I mean, again, as if, as if we haven't made the point enough times, but not only do you have these two incredible jazz bars in the same building, you've also got a dedicated Stones, Rolling Stones and Blues bar in the basement. So, you know, time and time again, you just have the it's the... the scale and extent of these bars and the the dedication of like owners to a particular type of music or culture is just astonishing. And, you know, to have in some cities to have those five bars at all would be something worth boasting about. But like the fact that they're Five of those are crammed in that one building. I just think is astonishing, and you know and it's again, known,
0: it's known as the uh, it's known as the Osaka Music Building. Um, yeah. If you if you want to read a little bit more about that, you can look uh, uh, look up my website Tokyo Jazz Site. I have an article on there about it that I wrote years back. Um, you know, I never went into Fannie Mae just because I thought if this is a Stones and Blues bar. I'm going to be getting the drinks out and by the time I move up to top rank and then make it to bird by the end of the night it could get a little bit ugly. So I I I just I just decided not to go in. Every time I go back there I just stick with with bird. I don't know uh, if it, but- I don't know if it would be your
1: speed anyway. <laughs> Hey, I'm a big blue guy. You, you I know, but connection. you know, yeah. if you were going in with those fabric print shirts and that bag swinging about, I think you might have been ejected before you, you got you, the
0: you, you, you are so jealous of my blue bag. You mentioned quite often. It's it, it's it's one, of, it's one of the best bags I've ever owned. It's lasted for like years. Uh, you know, not even yeah. tearing it.
1: Yeah, yeah. we'll make sure to post pictures of that bag on social media just in case anyone's yes, interested. Take the TJJ Instagram feed tomorrow for that <laughs> Delving one. Delving <laughs> deeper. So, um, yeah, so let's finish up with Bird 56. And luckily we don't have far to go because so we've just got up the stairs. Again, Bird 56, so I think... Uh, again, weirdly, we've talked about them in one order, but actually went to them in the reverse order, so I think I went to 56 first, and I hadn't been aware of top rank when I went down there, and then of course coming down the stairs past it and thought, well you know, of course I'm going to go in here, look at this place but my goal that evening had definitely been uh, Bird 56, and I think we'd got off the Shinkansen and maybe dropped some bags and gone straight there, or even gone straight there, and as you can see again from the pictures, I timed it in such a way that, um, that there would be no one there or it would just opened. And again, for me, this is one of those places, you know, at the risk of sort of boring the listeners and and repeating myself, but I think, as if that hasn't already happened, um, you know, I think this is one of those places that fits into that, you know, it's it's like the Osaka version of Downbeat almost, you know, it's just, it's kind of woody, it's kind of smoke-stained. It's got these old stickers and posters that have been up there for years. It's got these little handwritten signs that, you know, that one that every day open immediately reminds me of the John Train listening sessions in Downbeat. Um, And I just... And and also, it's got this um, really interesting combination of um, Miles Davis in the toilet with the SM Bondage Dance Party flyers. So... (laughs) <laughs> you know, I was and, and, wondering if you were going to mention that. But <laughs> I mean, not to mention that that incredible ashtray, um, oh. which I think is in the bathroom with uh, all the different jazz record labels oh, on it. Yeah, I, I mean, really,
0: I wanted that one so much. It's yeah. Just
1: a gorgeous, gorgeous place. I mean, and again, the owner was very kind, very welcoming, lovely guy. I mean, not 30 Yeah, not 30 son. Amazing.
0: Yeah. So, you know, as I mentioned, the first time I went there was 10 years ago and I I loved birds so much that every trip uh, back to Osaka for work or or with family, I would always stop by there. Um, It was funny because the first time I went in, um, he had different glasses on. He had the same hat, but the different glasses he was wearing made him look almost Identical to a well-known Japanese TV celebrity who's on one of these boring news programs, named Teddy Ito. So that that made me giggle. Um, but the amazing thing was when I sat down to talk with him, he was like, "You speak Japanese?" I'm like, "Yeah," and he proceeded to speak to me for about twenty minutes straight, and I could understand him because he had an incredibly thick Osaka accent. That's right, yeah, and, yeah, yeah. Um, The 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 Osaka dialect um, when it's really really strong is almost like a different language with different verb endings and different inflections and pronunciations. So the combination of this old guy's accent and then the music being very loud, I lost track of the conversation after a couple minutes, and it was really funny because I was sitting at the bar and there was a regular there. And he started to get a smile on his face and he finally said, Master, I don't think the honorable foreigner can understand you, <laughs> which was really just like the way he said it was hysterical and he was like, what do you mean he doesn't understand he speaks Japanese and and the regular was like yeah but you're you're speaking in Kansai Ben they call it Kansai Ben the Osaka dialect um, and I and I had to confess I said, oh you know I'm sorry uh, Natri San yeah I'm not catching everything you know I'm, I'm a little bit new with the uh, with the Osaka accent and so he slowed it down and spoke a little more straight ahead Japanese for me the rest of the night. But we had a great chat and you mentioned the, the, the great, uh, very worn out picture near the door that says open every day. I mean, he means that. I asked him, I was like, are you really open every day of the year? And, and, and he said, oh, yeah, yeah, I haven't. Uh, I've taken about three days off in the last 15 years when I was feeling pretty sick.
1: Uh, That's the religious that, life for you.
0: Other than that, I'm here. And and I said, wow, you know, doesn't it get ever, you know, do you ever feel a little claustrophobic or that you want to go take a trip somewhere and he was like well you know it's really good now because uh, I have my laptop here and I've discovered on YouTube you can see a lot of these interesting travel documentaries so the other day I saw something about the nature in the Amazon in Brazil and I'd always wanted to go to Brazil so um, I feel like now I can travel you know via the internet while I'm in the jazz bar so it's not so bad and I, I just thought I mean wow You know, amazing. The guy, the guy's just a superstar, man. I mean, he's literally living in the bar and he's been open since 70. Well, he told me he'd been there 35 years, which would have made it the late 70s. But the sign on the bar says 72. So I'm assuming he took it over from the first owner. But think about that. You know, 35 years every day of the year, except when you were sick two or three times, you know, you've gone to open the bar. It's like a, a sort a of, it's
1: like a sort of performance art, really, isn't it? I mean, it's it's, it's astonishing, really, when you think about it. I mean, and that, that in many ways reflects a lot of Japan, but I suppose we're, we, it appeals to us because he's running a jazz bar, not working in a sort of some company or, you know, some awful place. But, um, yeah, I mean, it's it's a gorgeous, like from a photography point of view for me, I mean, it's just, it's hard to take a a bad photograph in there. I mean, the there's just it's beautiful the lighting is gorgeous and you know even that that neon sign bird 56 with this huge poster mm. of marilyn just before you go into the toilets like it's just it's really beautiful like there's no other way to describe yeah. it even the, yeah. the 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 varnished pictures in the bathroom mm. This kind of collage. Like to recreate something like that would be so, so difficult. It's just something that has. No,
0: no, this is, that kind of vibe just comes over years. You just can't. Yeah, you can tell when it's been forced, you know? And and here it's like, no, this just happened over time. So, oh, that photo's a little scratch. I'll just, I'll just like glue another one on top of it, you know? (laughs) Like I won't even bother to like make it it line up. And um, yeah, you can feel, you can feel. The, the years in there, but in a really good way. I'm, I'm curious just about... and I'm going to get really jazz nerdy for a second, but uh, I didn't ask him why it's called Bird 56. Um, Bird, obviously, is Charlie Parker, who died in 1955. Mm. So I'm wondering... There must be some significance to that that maybe uh, just has gone over our heads. But um, definitely next time in Osaka, I will ask about that. He did tell me, and I can't
1: remember, although just looking here, that the Charlie Parker story was released by Savoy Records in 56. So unless that might be one of the reasons why, but I do remember asking him because it's confusing because first of all, you think, oh, it was open in 56. And I remember just saying that off the top of my head to someone. And then they were like, no, no, it says on the tambourine 1972. And I was like, oh, yeah. So Mm. it it might be something to do with that. But um, interestingly as well, just from like a a really sort of nerdy point of view and just going back to the design of some of these places or, or incidental design, but I guess this is deliberate. I don't know if you've noticed that he always writes the A upside down. I, yeah, you're right. I did not. What, what, Isn't that what's funny? That about? Is that, is and that also, the, it's not just it's not just the place. So it's in the proper logo on the door. It's yeah. also in the wooden sign. But even down below, where it says coffee slash bar, also the A is upside down. So oh, is it, is it there too? Wait, wait yeah. I don't know if he's signaling to some secret jazz society. Oh, wow. and we're just not getting it. But
0: I didn't realize that was on the, uh, the little chalkboard there. Isn't as well. that cool? That's that's unbelievable. You
1: don't yeah. really notice it too. It's very very um, subtle. Yeah. But uh, yeah. nice little touch there. Anyway. But yeah, again, one of those places I think, you know, when it when it closes, um, it's going to be tragic because oh no, I don't even
0: want to think about it. I looked up before we recorded tonight. uh, It is and it said open. I wonder what he's thought about the whole COVID-19 situation. I mean, this guy wouldn't give up. A flying F about that, I think. I think he'd probably just be like, ah, I'm fine. I'm going to come in anyway. By the way, I've got to ask, I mean, the portrait of him is wonderful. Um, did you try
1: any of the very attractive-looking snacks uh, that are behind the counter? I thought you'd pick up on that. No, I, I don't... Well, I, I'm not as precious as you, so I'm pretty sure I must have eaten something, and probably at that point we'd come off the train not had dinner yet, so I imagine I was mm. starving, but mm. I probably scoffed some nuts or something, but... um mm. Yeah, I mean, uh, I don't remember particularly what it I, was. I I, uh,
0: I declined the, the offer, obviously. Um, I but I was also interested, you know, um, the, the way he's got the liquor uh, above them, in mean, that kind of like English pub style, you know where they hang them upside down, you just hold the glass up to get your yeah. to get your shot. I've never seen that in a jazz bar before. Mm. I've never, you don't really see that in Japan very often. No, that's true, actually. Yeah. I think in Japan, they're, they're always really big, um, we've talked a lot about how presentation and is aesthetics are very, very important in Japan, especially in a lot of the bars. So the look of the bottles on the counters is always like, carefully considered. Yeah. Um, I and mean, here he's got them in, in the upside down way. I thought that, that was really interesting. Um, but, I mean, you know, Bird's not a place, again, you're not going to go there to eat. Um, some of that stuff looked like it was there since 1972 and they opened. Um, but oh, one other thing that told me, which was really interesting, I, you know, getting back to him being there every day. I said, oh, "What about the live gigs, though? Like, you know, how did you how did you go to gigs back in the day?" And he was like, "Well, you know, to be honest, when I opened a bar, um, I couldn't afford to go to any shows." You know, hmm. I mean, they were pretty expensive. And especially for the foreign acts who came, you know, people who were students or young Japanese fans, you'd have to save up a lot to go to one of these gigs. So I could barely make a living in the bar. So I've actually never even seen a lot of these people play live. And that was a really different comment to what we've heard because we've talked a lot about how. Many of the Kisaten owners around the country acted as sort of promoters, you know, where they would be the ones to help promote the gigs, uh, design the posters, and in some senses, uh, sometimes even bring the band to, to drink in the places afterwards. You know, we've seen pictures of that, you know. But for some reason, in Osaka, Naturi's san was never able to do that. I kind of felt sad about that, too, because he, he seemed to say, like, yeah, you know, I missed out on a lot of great gigs over the years
1: here. yeah. Well, look, that's our four places for today. And um, again, you know, all great places in their own right and not necessarily headline places either. I know some of them I have exhibited in the past in in exhibitions. Uh, Bird 56 has definitely made it in there and so has Goodman. And just on that note, maybe a shout out to Charlie in London who um, put on an event. About a couple of years ago, nearly now, it was called Moonglow, where he kind of set up a pop-up jazz bar, and and we printed quite a few of the photos for that, uh, and they kind of form part of the decor for this one-month-long project. So shout out to him, and it reminds me of, I think, Bird 56, the Marilyn image was definitely in there. Um, and I know also um, the Goodman uh, double bass image was in there, too. So, yeah, big, big supporter of the project uh, and always very enthusiastic about everything that we do and post and stuff. So uh, shout out to him. James, um, any big plans for the week?
0: No, no. Um, as you like to say, if you're listening to this in a very distant and different future, um, this will just be an historical footnote, but um, <laughs> basically we're a bit kind of entering a mini lockdown again here in the tokyo area with the uh rise in number of infected people coronavirus so rather than the opening of the tokyo olympics which was supposed to happen tomorrow we're on a four-day weekend of nothing happening at all um you Weird. know what it's not too bad philip i'm catching up on a lot of music stuff and uh hanging out with the family and you know
1: recording some podcasts
0: so well, fingers yeah. crossed
1: that i'll make it back to tokyo and japan before the Olympics is rescheduled, if, if indeed it ever is, because it seems like certainly the appetite to do that uh, is waning in Japan. But uh, I'd love to make it back over there before that. And so, you know, well, ideally,
0: it- ideally you'll come back and the Olympics still won't go on. So we can have yeah, the best of both worlds because the ideal situation, point, nobody at this point wants it to happen. So um, but always good to chat with you. I'm so happy we got to talk about the uh, the Kansai places. I forgot about how good they were.
1: So this was great. <laughs> Well, next week, we're back in Tokyo for another one of our Deep Cuts episodes, uh, episode 21. We're going to be going to a few, certainly one of my favorite experiences uh, ever in the project. So uh, look forward to that. If you haven't listened to all the episodes already and you're not listening consecutively, please go back in. There's uh, another 19 episodes you haven't heard. um, And we hope you enjoyed last week's episode as well with the extended interview with Dr. Aizawa from or formerly of Toru Aizawa Quartet, who released the legendary Tachibana album. Listen, James, look after yourself this week. Um, In the meantime, stay safe and uh, enjoy yourself. You too. Take it easy, man. Talk to you soon. See ya.